Welcome to the Soul Summit Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Levesque. I'm here to bridge the gap for women in the outdoors, build a community of adventure junkies, and roll out your weekly dose of positive vibes. With almost two decades in the health and fitness world and an untamable passion for hunting and the outdoors, my mission is to help you live a bucket list life and move boldly in the direction of your dreams. Meet us here weekly as I connect with like-minded men and women to discuss health and mindset, accountability, life and entrepreneurship, as well as all things hunting and epic untold stories. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Soul Summit Podcast. Today I am joined by my new friend, Dan McLean of Arrow Junkie. And uh, it's pretty cool in this episode, we get to dive into all things arrow and really understanding what makes the arrow set up right for your poundage, for the application, for your draw length, etc. He's a wealth of information and really has a passion in helping educate people on how to build their own arrows. I think sometimes it can be a little daunting, maybe especially for a beginner shooter, whether you're a bow hunter or just an archer, to understand how to set up and build your arrows. And he talks about the benefit of really tinkering with your setup. So it could be in your fletching setup or your fletching size. It could be in your uh, arrow uh, spine as well. So understanding the stiffness of your arrow. But he's just a really good uh, source of information. And I love that he's an advocate for helping uh, people just really understand how to do it and do what's best for them. And then he talks about how uh, to differentiate your setup between maybe a target setup for just shooting archery uh, competitions or 3D shoots, and then also some of the benefits of going with a heavier uh, arrow with a little bit more FOC for hunting applications and how that translates into penetration and really just a clean ethical kill. So this is a good episode if you are new to archery in general, or if you're somebody who is wanting to just take on the task of building your own arrows, this is a really good one to listen to. He also uh, does provide built arrows so he will build them for you or he can give you um, the shafts and the fletchings and all of the tools that you'll need to build them yourself. I hope that you enjoy today's episode. I know I enjoyed talking with my friend Dan McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Wilderness Athlete, high quality supplements for rugged individuals. Wilderness Athlete has been making the best supplements that will give you an edge in the wilderness, the gym and life for the last 17 years. Head to wildernessathlete.com to see their products and use the code no excuses to save money and support you on your way to your best health. Also brought to you by Baku eBikes. Baku is building top quality e-bikes, helping you get farther and enjoy the hunt. Find more at baku.com. That's B-A-K-C-O-U.com. You can use the code HerOutdoorJourney to save a few hundred dollars on your new electric bike. Well, although today's episode is all about archery and bow hunting and arrow setups, I'm also super excited because I just recently found out I drew the Oregon Southwest bear tag. And uh, although that is occasionally a tag that you can uh, draw pretty easily, sometimes you do swing and miss on that. So I'm glad to have that in my pocket this year. And equally as excited because I just ordered the Bagara um, Canyon and it's a 100% 
carbon fiber AG composite stock. So it's going to be a lot lighter than what I have had in the past. And, um, you know, I, I actually grew up shooting the same 243 from 11 to like almost 30 years old. And so in the last few years, just getting to play with some different guns and shoot some new things and figure out what I really like. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, Begara just did release some new um, guns for this year, especially for the mountain, mountain hunter. They're going to be lightweight, super accurate, and uh, definitely producing a quality gun. So go check them out. That's uh, Begara Rifles. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to welcome Dan McLean to the Soul Summit podcast. I'm super excited because this has been a long time coming, my friend. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Courtney. Yes, it has been a long time coming. We've been working on this and schedules got in the way and technical difficulties and it looks like we're finally going to get it done. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, well, I'm excited to chat with you talk about arrows, just learn a little bit more about you and some of the fun collaborations you are doing. But give us a little bit of your backstory and uh, who is Dan McLean? Well, I'm going to try to make it a short story because I'm very complex. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I am, um, I'm just a guy that loves to, to bow hunt, honestly. Um, backstory for me is I've done a lot of things in my life. Um, I started out, my first career was a radio disc jockey. Um, and then after that, I got into the construction industry in Houston and had a concrete company. We um, poured foundations and stuff. And then I really got into running um and opened a running specialty store and ran marathons and i've done iron man and several um you know triathlons and stuff uh and and then that kind of morphed into my my real job my real job is i'm a i'm a race director so large-scale event planning i put on marathons half marathons etc but um, the reason I'm talking to you is because uh, my new business uh, in the last year is called Aero Junkie, and I have uh, started Aero Junkie because I love bow hunting and I love shooting. I love archery, and there was just uh, there's a niche out there um, for people to learn how to build their own arrows, and that's what I'm trying to do is just kind of fill that niche. Well, you laughed about being complex, but I don't know that that was a joke. It definitely sounds like there are multi, <laughs> you know, multi layers to who Dan McLean is. And we could certainly go into the marathon and training and running and event planning because that to me is super interesting. Um, but as a bow hunter, I uh, just really have uh, gravitated towards what you're doing and how you're doing it with Arrow Junkie. Um, and, you know, when we, we started talking originally, Dan, I felt like, you know, you you just kind of like there was this passion for helping people understand how to be confident building their own arrows. And that's something that, you know, I really gravitate towards because I think if we can build confidence in the things that we're passionate about, it just really expands that passion. And once you learn things, you can share them with others. So I really appreciate what you're doing and would love to just kind of keep picking your brain about arrow builds and setups um, because I think yeah. that there can be a little bit of uh, confusion. Maybe there's too much information out there. Maybe there's too many choices on arrows, veins, you know, helicoil, all that kind of stuff. So maybe you can kind of help us from a ground level, uh, this introduction to arrows and um, just maybe like choosing an arrow right out of the gate. Yeah. So, I mean, going back to what you were saying about the, the passion for getting getting people into building their own arrows. Absolutely. That's why I started Arrow Junkie. And just a quick side note, you know, that's what Arrow Junkie is. It's, it's just 
arrows. It's not an archery shop. We don't, I don't sell any bows. Um, this is specifically about arrows and everything you need to build your own arrows from, from bare shafts all the way up to arrow saws and everything in between. Um, and the reason I'm doing it is because there is, there's, there's like a stigma to it. People think that it's so difficult to do and it's really not. And I would love to empower more people to, you know, to start doing it, uh, just to, with, with the information, uh, and, you know, and the tools that, that I have, it, it isn't as complicated as everybody thinks. Um, there are a lot of options out there on how to build your own arrows and what to use. I mean, different manufacturers, different veins, like you said, um, different arrow setups, but it's all about, uh, it's all about tinkering really, uh, to find that perfect setup for you. A lot of people, get into it and are very concerned about, um, you know, choosing the right arrows, uh, the right length, the right spine, um, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And the information is, is super easy to find. And I'm absolutely willing to help people, you know, understand what they should choose. Um, you know, as far as all the components go in the, in the right shafts to use and stuff like that. Um, but it's, you know, if we want to talk about a arrow, let's, for example, for me, um, for my target setup, I shoot a hunting setup and I shoot a target setup. My target setup, I shoot a 70-pound a Matthews VXR, um, and, you know, a lot of it has to do with your draw length and, and your bow poundage. So 70-pound uh, draw length, and I shoot uh, a 28-and-a-half-inch draw. So my arrows are going to be within that, you know, 28 and a half, somewhere between 27 and a half and 29 inches long, depending on how, like, how close you like, uh, the, you know, your broadhead or your, your field tip to be, uh, you know, to your riser and the spine link, uh, the spine is, is the tough thing that, that people have a hard time understanding. And really the spine is just, it just measures the, uh, the bend or the flex in your arrow, the stiffness of your arrow. Uh, the lower the, the spine number, the stiffer the arrow. So if you see a 300 spine, then that's going to be a stiffer arrow than a 400 spine. And those all those numbers all relate to your draw length and your draw weight. And each arrow manufacturer will let you know, depending on those two items, you know what spine you should use. Um, and so that I mean that that's the that's the thing that really gets people to that point of, oh, I don't know if I can do this because it's so confusing to me, uh, is that spine number. But once you have that figured out, everything else is is pretty easy. Um, so I shoot a, a 300 spine for my target setup, and um, I use a four fletch um, with a slight helical, you know, but there are so many different things that you can do with just a few tools uh and i'm trying not you know i'm trying to tell people this and not scare them away um sure yeah there's there's a ton of information out there on on you know and i have a lot of it and i'm willing to help with a lot of it but it is you know it's all about just tinkering um once you know your draw length your draw weight and you know pretty much what your end goal is to what you're, you know, what you want to do with your arrow, which again, I can help with if it's a hunting situation, a target situation, or you're going to use it for, you know, the same arrows for both situations, which most people do, then it's, it's easy to get them set up. Um, you know, there's only a few, few tools that you really need if you want to build your own arrows, um, to get started, um, some sort of fletching jig so you can, you know, put your veins on, um, an arrow spinner so you can kind of make sure and test the straightness of your arrows uh, and, you know, some glues. 
Uh, and that's really about it. You know, the, the, the saw is the big piece where if you want to start cutting your own shafts, um, that's where you get into, you know, it starts to get cost you a little bit of money, but, uh, I offer free arrow cutting, um, with every, you know, with every shaft I sell. So if somebody knows their, their arrow length, it's super easy. I cut them, square them, get them ready for them, send them out. And they just kind of put all the pieces on. It's, it's not, it's really not as hard as everybody thinks it is. Well, I think there's this certain level of satisfaction in being able to make your own arrows, even if that just means that you're, you know, putting the the fletchings on and, you know, working it that way. Maybe you're not cutting your own, own arrows and doing all of that stuff, but getting to have some piece of that puzzle, you know, getting to own that space, I think is good. What I yeah, have heard commonly. And you get, you know, you, you get the chance to tinker with it. I definitely. Mean, that's the fun part. You, you know, the, I mean, you're, you're really tinkering. Most people start tinkering with the back end of the arrow, with the veins, you know, putting wraps on different vein configuration, uh, you know, three, three fletch, four fletch. Am I going to have a slight helical or an offset, or am I going to put them on straight? You get, you start to see the difference in the way your arrows fly just, just from that. And that, like you said, it's, it's kind of empowering to have that, you know, I built these arrows, they're flying exactly how I want them to fly because I did this, you know, the way I wanted to do it. Sure. And, it is, it's, and then, then you go down the rabbit hole and you start doing all the other stuff too. Well, it seems like it's pretty common that, uh, you know, somebody will get a bow, whether you're going into a shop and you're buying it there, or maybe it's a hand-me-down, or maybe it's been in somebody's attic. And it, you know, a lot of times the arrows that you get are, there's not a lot of education that we have going into choosing an arrow initially, you know, so unless you're dealing with somebody like you, or maybe you're in a bow shop that has time to sit there and educate you, you might get into an arrow that's not right for you. So you're going through, you know, I know sometimes you can start shooting and you're like, man, I'm just, I don't get it or I'm off, or there's always that one arrow that flies funky. So maybe you can help us just really dive into if somebody is right now saying like, Hey, I'm brand new to shooting. I just got a bow. I'm not exactly sure if I'm shooting the right arrows or which arrows I should get. You kind of started to explain a little bit more, like as somebody who's shooting maybe a shorter draw length and a lower poundage, what kind of spine they might want to get into. But can you talk about just somebody who's right out of the gate, getting started with a bow and choosing their arrow yeah so you know again it goes back to the two the, the two key ingredients are going to be um, your draw length and your draw weight of your bow um, with those two key factors every arrow manufacturer has a chart or a table when you you know and i have them all you know, with every, with every shaft as well, where you, you just put those two pieces together and it tells you, um, what your spine is. And basically we, you were talking about the differences in, you know, a, a shorter draw length or, um, less draw weight. Well, that, that's going to make your spine number higher, which means it's that, that you're going to have more flex or, um, a not as stiff arrow shaft. And, basically what happens when you shoot an arrow out of your bow it has it has flex um if you ever see one in slow motion there's it's there's it, what happens is called a paradox and when that arrow leaves your bowstring it is flexed like crazy when you look at it it's it's unbelievable if you ever see it in slow motion and the the, the stiffness of that spine correlates to to again, the, you know, your draw weight and how much pressure is on that string that, that is put onto that arrow as it's leaving the string. 
as to how much flex you get in it. Now that paradox needs to correct itself as quickly as possible. And which means it needs to straighten out and flatten out to get to the target as straight as possible. So with less poundage, if you're shooting less poundage, let's say you're shooting a 50 pound bow, mm-hmm. um, you don't need as stiff of an arrow. It's not going to, if, if you, if it's too stiff then it's, it's not going to correct the way it's supposed to. If it's not stiff enough, it takes it longer to correct as well. So it's just, it's kind of finding, finding that number. And again, that's why all the arrow manufacturers have, have all that information for you. As long as you know, your draw weight uh, and your draw length, they're going to get you in the right spot. Now things, things that change that can be um, the amount of, of weight you put on the front of the arrow. Um, obviously if you have a lot of weight, if you have a lot of FOC is what it's called mm-hmm. forward of center weight, then, um, there's going to be a little bit more flex because when that arrow is released off of that string, the front end is heavier than the back end. So it's, it's actually going to, it's going to flex a little bit more and then it's going to end up when it's when it straightens out and that paradox ends, it's going to end up pulling that arrow. So there are different Different ways. If you have a lot of uh, a lot of forward of center weight, you're going to need a little bit stiffer arrow. You don't want it to flex too much. Um, but it's all. I mean, honestly, it's all relative to again those two factors. And I know I keep bringing them up, but as long as you know draw weight and draw length, um, we can easily find the the stiffness. You know, the spine stiffness that you want. But it does differ. Um, mm-hmm. If you're shooting, if you're shooting a heavy weight, like if I for my hunting rig, I shoot a 75 pound. You know, I shoot 75 pounds and my draw length is, again, it's 28 and a half. So I'm going to have to have a heavier spine. Um, I'm going to go up from my target. My target setup was 300, so I'm going to go to a 240 spine. So it's going to be a stiffer spine. I use more weight up front. I use a heavier arrow for higher impact, that type of thing. So just little tweaks um, here and there. Once you figure out, you know, again, those, those two key factors, I'm not going to say them again, I've said them enough, but once you have those, you can kind of, we can go from there and figure out, um, you know, what you need as far as your spine weight goes. And then, and then it's just fun. Once you have that, that's the easy part. Uh, then it gets fun. You just, you start tinkering with, with the rest of the setup for the arrow. Well, and that makes sense because if you're shooting a little higher poundage for your hunting rig, you're going to be putting more energy out of that bow. So you do need to have that a little bit more rigidity to the spine, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, that's what it, that's yep. all it boils down to. It's, I mean, it's the, the, the amount of pressure that is applied to that arrow, that shaft as it's leaving the string uh, is, you know, is what's going to indicate how much spine you need in your arrow. So is, flex you is there a sweet spot? So say I'm shooting 55 pounds for like going to do like the mountain archery fest or total archery challenge or something like that. And then I'm shooting, you know, close to 60 pounds for my hunting rig. How much or do I need to change the arrow spine? And what, how does that translate shooting a target as opposed to shooting an animal? So, you know, it depends on if, you know, it depends on what kind of components you're using on your arrow as well. So if you, if you increase your arrow weight, um, especially on the front end, like let's say for your target, for your target arrows, you're shooting 50 pounds and you're shooting a hundred grain tip. And I'm just going to try and make this as simple as possible without getting too technical. Then, um, you know, your, your spine is, you're, you're going to be somewhere in that 400 spine range. So it's going to be, you're going to have your, your arrow, your shaft is going to be, you know, fairly flexible. Um, it's not going to be super stiff. If you 
increase that, if you increase your bow poundage, your draw weight to 60, so you go to 60 from there, uh, 62, something like that, and you decide, okay, I'm going to shoot a 125 grain or a, or a 150 grain broadhead, a little bit more, you know, a little bit heavier arrow, a little bit more impact, um, then you're going to see that spine number, you know, come up probably to a 350, um, just to have that not too much paradox uh, in the arrow as you increase you know, as you increase your draw weight, then obviously your bow's shooting faster. There's more pressure on that arrow as it leaves. You've got a little bit more weight up front, so there's the opportunity for it to flex a little bit more as it's coming off the string. Um, so we want to stiffen that arrow up just a little bit. And now moving into veins, you know, you hear a lot of talk, like you were saying, about three versus four fletch, you know, putting a little bit of helical on it. Um, what is going to be ideal and does that differ from target as opposed to hunting scenarios? So that's a tricky question because that is really a personal preference. Um, that is where that tinkering comes in and that fun comes in just depending on how you shoot, how your bow shoots, what your end, re- what you want your end result to be. Um, you know, the, the biggest difference from when we're talking veins, as far as the the configuration, let's talk, um, you know, helical versus straight or helical versus offset. So a true helical in in an air, I mean, in a, in a vein is actually going to have curvature to it. So you're going to see some curvature uh, in the vein itself. An offset is going to be basically just what it says. If you look down the shaft, the way that vein is sitting on the shaft, the front end is going to be offset from the rear end just a little bit. And then obviously you can do straight. Um, The reason you want or most people would like to have either, you know, some sort of offset or some sort of helical is to get that arrow spinning faster. So it straightens out faster, flies straighter and flatter. Um, Now the degree of how, you know, where you want to go with that depends on several things. It depends on distances. Um, If you put, you know, if you put a lot of helical, like a true helical is a six degree helical. That's a lot of helical. A lot of people will shoot two or three degrees of helical. Um, six degrees of helical, you start at, at a certain distance, depending on how your bow shoots, you know, what poundage and all that stuff. You start to get kind of a parachute effect. Um, so we'll actually slow it down a little bit. But right off the bat, it's spinning faster. So a helical is going to make it spin super fast right off the bat. So you're going to get it going uh, you know, straighter sooner, but then as you go out to, you know, different distances a little bit, as you get further and further out, it starts to slow it down a little bit because there is so much helical. Um, so it's just kind of finding that, you know, your happy medium, what you like, what you want to do, um, as, as far as going with either, you know, straight, uh, an offset or two or three degree helical all the way up to a six, six degree helical. Um, if you know, if you're target shooting, let's say you're 3D shooting and you know what you're going to be, you, let's say you're competing and you you know your max distance is going to be 60 yards, uh, then, you know, you may be comfortable with a little more helical, uh, knowing you're not really getting out to that distance where it's going to start parachuting too bad. Mm-hmm. If you're shooting like TAC or Mountain Archery Fest and, uh, you know, I'm going to be shooting a course that has 100 and 110 yard targets on it, you're probably not going to want a, a big 
you know, degree of helical on them because they're going to start slowing down and dropping pretty quick as you get further and further out there. So maybe, maybe just a little bit of offset or a two degree helical or something to get it spinning quick as it comes out. Um, arrows are automatically going to start spinning when they come out. The fletching, you know, the degree of offset or helical just gets them spinning a little bit faster for you. Gotcha. That makes sense. So talking about then the next kind of thing I, I always wonder is, is it worth having a heavier arrow specifically in a hunting situation for more kinetic energy and impact, but a slower shooting arrow? Do you have a preference and what would you recommend for somebody? I do. I have a preference. Um, so if we, you know, I, I told you my target, my target setup, um, it's 450 grain for, I'm sorry, 415 grains total weight. So it's a fairly, fairly light arrow. Um, at 70 pounds with 12% of FOC forward of center weight, I get about 300, uh, 300 feet per second off okay. that arrow. Mm-hmm. That's my target setup. I moved to a hunting, my hunting setup. I use a totally different site and totally different uh, arrow configuration. It's 675 grains Dang, okay. uh, total weight. Mm-hmm. So I have to drop down to a 240 spine. I have crazy FOC, uh, 24% forward of center. Uh, at 75 pounds of draw weight, I can still shoot 274 feet per second. So I lose about 25 feet per second. So basically what that means is, you know, as you, you know, as you start getting out past that 40, 50, 60 yards, the arrow is going to start dropping faster. Um, so it all kind of goes back to two things. Um, what kind of impact do you have, want, want to have, um, you know, when you hit an animal? And for me, I want as much impact as I can possibly get. I mm-hmm. want to be as lethal and ethical as I possibly can. And a heavier arrow with more FOC, uh, you know, more FOC weight or more weight at the front of the center of the arrow um, is going to have a heavier impact. And you're going to you're going to have a better chance of a pass through mm-hmm. than you are with a lighter arrow with little FOC. Now, if you're shooting, you know. I don't know, let's say antelope, let's say you're, you're a pronghorn hunter and you know that a lot of your shots are going to be between 60 and 80, maybe even stretch out to 90 or 100 yards. Then you start thinking about maybe that heavy, high FOC arrow is, I wouldn't say detrimental, but it, it may not, you know, may not be as as good as a little bit lighter weight arrow with still having a little bit more FOC so you can get a little bit more impact. The FOC, I mean, basically the forward of center um weight it, it's if you if anybody gets on arrow junkie there's an explanation for it so i don't have to like try to explain it right now but it's it's the amount of weight uh that is a what percentage is the most amount of weight at, at that arrow so the the front part of that arrow is going to carry most of the weight and what that does is instead of your arrow flying you know the the rear end of the arrows pushing the arrow, basically the front end of the arrow is now pulling that arrow along. So it's it's got so much momentum and kinetic energy when it hits the target that it's actually it it helps get the pass through because it's pulling the rest of that arrow all the way through instead of trying to just push itself through. So it just kind of gives you a a little idea of what FOC does, but for for large game, I I'm a hundred percent a believer in it. Um it is a little bit different to once you start uh building those heavier arrows and you're used to shooting a light arrow 
you, you're, you're definitely going to see some, some drop. It's not as drastic as everybody thinks. A lot of people look at it and think there's this huge arc and it just falls off the earth. Um, it doesn't really do that. I, I, um, I was shooting a super good group out to 75, 80 yards last year with my, um, you know, with my high FOC heavy arrow setup. So I'm very comfortable at up to 70 yards shooting at an elk or a bear or a deer or anything like that with, with one. And it, it, it's just like anything else. It comes with a little bit of practice, but once sure. you figure that out and get your sight dialed in for it, it's, it's no big deal. And you just have that. Like, I know when I shoot my, my arrows, my game arrows, my hunting rig, that there's a really, really high probability that I'm going to get a pass through and it's going to be a, a lethal and ethical shot as far as that goes. I, I hunted white-tailed deer for years and years and years and shot a lightweight setup and I had a lot of, I lost a lot of animals and it just kind of something clicked after a lot of research and I started going that way and I haven't had that problem anymore. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. I want to go back for just a second to talking about the FOC and either the push versus pull effect of an arrow. Now, if we're looking at consistency to shooting and accuracy, is there a benefit over a pull versus a push in an arrow? Um, you know, I, th- I think that it, de- well, it depends on how the arrow set up. First of all, like when you have more weight at the front of the arrow, you have, um, you know, you can mess with your vein configuration a little bit. And you have to kind of have to kind of play with that to make sure you get everything right. Um, accuracy wise, honestly, I don't, I don't see a ton of difference. Um, other than the fact that the, the high FOC arrows are going to drop a little bit more um but again that that's all it all goes back to practice and mm-hmm. getting your sight dialed in uh the, the accuracy picture i mean i don't i don't think there's really any difference in the accuracy of either one of them as long as you're both shooting right and you've got them sighted in the way they need to be sighted in to hit hit the point that you're you know that you're trying to hit i think the biggest difference is it's just that heavier weight is pulling on that arrow and it's going to pull it through you know, bone, and it's going to pull it through meat uh, to get that pass through. Whereas, you know, when it, with that pushing, the pushing effect, once it hits that first bit of resistance, it slows it down dramatically. Um, And so, but as far as accuracy goes, I think either one, I mean, they're, they're both, they're both going to be as accurate as you are, as far as how you have it set up and, you know, you the time you put in to make sure that, that you're shooting well. Perfect. Perfect. So walk me through this scenario. Maybe I'm the only one, but I doubt it. You're out there, you're shooting in your backyard or wherever you're at, you know, you're, you're getting some good consistent groups and you got that one that just wants to get a little squirrely. Yes. Sometimes you pull a shot, but it seems like it's pretty common that every once in a while, there's one that kind of just flies off a little bit. What is that? Can that be an arrow issue? Can it be a matter of just um, knock tuning? Why does that happen and how do we fix it? You said the magic words. <laughs> it's knock tuning for sure. So basically what's happening is um, your spine. So this, the spine of it, the way the arrows are made, and this is 95% of arrows right now are made. Um, they're rolled. 
So the carbon is rolled and there's a seam. So there's going to be a seam where the carbon comes together in the air. And that's pretty much not visible. Um, sometimes you can see it if you hold your shaft up to the light and look through it. Every once in a while, you'll see, you can see a line going down the arrow on the inside, um, a shadow or something. Um, that's basically where the carbon is seamed. Um, and that's the stiffest point of your arrow. So that's your, basically your spine line. Um, now there are a couple of manufacturers out there, Victory being one of them, that uh, spine align all their arrows. So they're, they're marked. So when you get them, you know where that stiffest part of your arrow is. Uh, and that's key because you want the stiffest part of your arrow to always be at 12 o'clock when it come when when it sits on your rest. So when it comes off the string, you want the stiffest part of your arrow to be sticking straight up to be at 12 o'clock. That is going to help reduce that paradox, that flex. Oh. Uh, and it's going to keep it consistent. So if you always know where that spine is and it's always at the top, then you know all your arrows should shoot the same. So think of this: you've got four of your arrows are let's just say you got lucky and right out of the box they're they're up you know they're at 12 o'clock when you put them on your rest depending on where your knock is and then you've got two of them that aren't you got one that that's you know that spine line is off at three o'clock you got one that's off at nine o'clock well when you shoot those two arrows they're going to flex a different way because that spine is in a different you know that spine line mm -hmm. is in a different place so the paradox of that arrow it's just going to if you watch them come off in slow motion the one that has the spine line on top is going to kind of flex from top to bottom, or let's say from 12 o'clock to six o'clock as mm -hmm. it comes off, you're yep. going to see that, that arrow flex. One that's at three o'clock or nine o'clock is going to flex left or right. So that's going to, it, it's going to change the way the arrow comes off, you know, comes off yep. of the string. And depending on how fast it corrects itself, it can come back around and get pretty close but if you're having a, a, an arrow that flies like that, we call them a flyer. I mean, it's just it's just flying. You just never know where it's going to go. You have three of them that are perfect, and then two of them you just have no idea where they're going to end up. That's probably what the deal is. So it's just it's it's a knock tuning thing. Um, and you know, I don't know how far you want to dive into knock tuning. It's not a super hard thing to do, but it is. Go for it, it but does, let's dive right it into does it. Take some time. Yeah. Um, you want to know about it? it was, I, I do. So, yes. Cause that's okay. something that I've had to do quite a bit every once in a while I'll get one. So I just knock tune it, but yeah, if you could walk people through that, that'd be great. Yeah. So knock tuning is, is fairly simple. Um, you're going to, you're going to take your, your bear shaft arrows, um, no, no fletching. Um, so no veins on them and you're going to, uh, basically shoot at paper. I typically shoot somewhere between, eight and 12 feet away from the paper you don't have to be um too far away from it you want enough room for that arrow to go through the paper uh and hit a target behind it and you know go all the way through the paper but what happens is you you, you can mark your knock with a with a line on your your knock like i use a silver sharpie and just mark my knock the, the top of my knock or it doesn't, it doesn't even really matter where you mark it, but mark your knock and your shaft in one line so that you can see, uh, you know, that the, the, those two lines are, are lined up. Uh, and then you shoot it. Uh, now, again, your, your bow has to be perfectly tuned for this to work. But you shoot your arrow, and the arrow is going to hit the paper, and it's either going to make a hole punch, which is a perfect circle, or there's going to be a tear. Um, if there's any type of tear at all, if it's not a perfect, you know, hole that goes through there, you just turn your knock about an eighth of an inch. 
um, just just a little bit. Just it doesn't take much. Just an eighth of a turn. Shoot it again. See what happens. If the tear gets worse, you can either go back the other way or you can keep going the same way. Turn it an eighth. It may take you five shots. It may take two shots. Um, but you're gonna find that spot where you're actually bringing your spine line, that seam we were talking about, up to the 12 o'clock position. And then you'll just, you have to mark your, you know, mark your shaft and your knock so that you know that those two lines match up. So when you, you know, when you fletch your arrows, um, you'll have your cock vein up or however you, however you configure your cock vein, you always want to know that that mark that you made on that shaft after you got it knocked to and you've got that perfect bullet hole, um, that's, that's your 12 o'clock position. Mm -hmm. So keep that in your 12 o'clock position, no matter how you fletch your arrows, whatever vein configuration you use, however you shoot it with your cock vein out or up or whatever, just always make sure that that, that line that you marked uh, when you found that perfect bullet hole is at 12 o'clock. And then that should, that will pretty much fix your problem. And you'll see your groups. If you do that with all your arrows, you'll immediately see your groups get much, much tighter. And it actually gets much more enjoyable to shoot all your arrows. So a little more work initially when getting your arrow set up, but potentially long-term seeing the benefits of more consistent shooting, right? Absolutely. When okay. I build arrows, yeah, I mean, that's the first thing I do. You know, I'll, I mean, obviously, um, you know, inserts, get, get your inserts glued in and yeah. And then I go to knock tuning, okay. um, immediately. And, and it's, you know, it takes some time. I mean, it might take you an hour to get a dozen arrows knock tuned. Uh, it may take you 20 minutes. It just depends on, you know, it's, it's a lot, there's a lot of luck involved. It depends on how many times you have to turn that knock, um, to get that arrow, to get your, you know, to get your spine line up at 12 o'clock, but yeah, it's definitely worth it because, again the results are they're great and they're immediate i mean you'll you'll notice it immediately well and i'm thinking too for somebody who's trying to do you know final tuning on their bow shooting it through paper if you do have a tear and your arrow isn't knock tuned you could potentially be trying to correct your bow setup and your bow tuning based on an arrow that's just not flying correctly Absolutely. That's why it's, it's, you know, off the subject a little bit, but it's, it's critical when you're, um, when you're paper tuning your bow to shoot several arrows, just to make sure you don't have a flyer for sure. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That can definitely happen. Well, that's a good point too, to make sure that you're shooting multiple arrows and not just consistent with one that could be giving you a bad tear and you're correcting exactly. for a bad arrow. So are all arrows created equal? Are some better than others? You don't have to throw out names if you don't want to, but what would you recommend for somebody who is looking to buy um, shafts and build? Yeah, you know, honestly, it's, it, I carry, I mean, I carry pretty much all the major brands and I carry some what I call underground stuff too that are you know not so well known um but yeah I mean I think technology right now as far as carbon weave and the way arrows are built um it's all really good I, I really think it is and I don't think there are you know I don't think there are any arrows that are really worse than the others i mean yeah if you're going to get on amazon and you know order your 29.99 dozen arrows from china then yeah you're probably going to have an issue but the major brands that are out right now um everybody's doing it you know they're doing it right they're doing it well they're different you know they're they're manufactured in different ways um 
you know, they're, they're, a lot of them are rolled. Some of them are done carbon fusion. Um, you know, some of them will give you the spine alignment so you don't have to uh, worry about knock tuning, which is kind of fun. That takes, you know, takes that out of that picture out of the equation. It's already done for you. Um, but, you know, overall, I think everybody's, everybody's on, on that page of being, you know, good or great. I mean, they're all, I'd really, honestly, I don't, I mean, I shoot, I shoot different arrows for different stuff. Like I, I actually shoot four different brands of arrows. So, um, you know, I, I kind of believe in all of them at this point, at least the ones I have, you know, that I'm carrying right now, for sure. Sure. So something that we haven't really talked about at all yet would be spine size or excuse me arrow size so talking about diameter why would somebody choose a smaller or bigger diameter and what do you recommend for hunting situations um so yeah diameter size um you know depending on how you read it or how the arrow manufacturer brings it to you you're you're somewhere in that four millimeter to six and a half millimeter diameter arrows and basically if you know a four millimeter is um is a micro uh diameter arrow and your six and a half is a you know six to six and a half is a standard diameter uh arrow and i mean the 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 difference realistically i mean for me like and i'll just use myself as as an example i shoot for my target setup i'm going to shoot a you know, a larger diameter arrow because I want the opportunity to have, you know, more of that arrow to get closer to, you know, to a line to where I can get a mm-hmm. score on it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lar- little bit larger diameter gives you a little bit more of a, you know, a little bit more leeway to make a, a slight mistake when you're target shooting. Um, in a hunting, in the hunting instances, I shoot a four millimeter arrow. Um, the smaller the arrow, the, typically the more penetration you're going to get because there's not as much um, surface space as it's you know going through the target so pass-throughs can be a little bit um, easier with a smaller diameter arrow um, you know it's it's kind of honestly that's one of those things that's, that's great about all this arrow building stuff and tinkering and testing it just kind of comes down to personal preference mm-hmm. um, in a hunting situation I don't think that there is a really there's a bad arrow as long as you've got you know, the correct spine, it's, it's shooting the way it's supposed to. Um, you know, I, I think you're, you're in good shape with whatever diameter arrow you, you decide to shoot with there. Are, there's millions of animals that have been killed with all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's really, um, it's just, it's just a personal preference thing. I, I do like a smaller diameter arrow because I feel like I can get, uh, again, I'm all about that pass through. I want that, you know, that ethical lethal kill. Um, and pass through is, you know, that's the name of the game there. And so a smaller diameter arrow is going to give you give you a little bit better probability of a, of a pass through because, again, less surface area. And then when I'm shooting target and stuff like that, I like to have a little more surface area, a little bit more opportunity if I make a mistake for that to cut a line and still get a good score. We've talked a lot about carbon arrows. What are your thoughts on like the full metal jacket? Um... I will say that the, you know, those, the hybrid arrows, which basically are, you know, some, some sort of metal, steel, aluminum, and carbon. Um, my experience with them is I've, I've had some bend, um, and it's not brand specific, um, cause there are uh, a few manufacturers out there that make them, 
um, there is a possibility that you just, just like, you know, shooting aluminum arrows, uh, you know, the XX 75s from Easton that everybody shot when they were growing up or, you know, when they first got into hunting a long time ago, uh, you can bend, they'll bend, you know, carbon, carbon's not going to bend on you. That's, that's the plus. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, you, you can get more weight. I mean, that's how, that's why they're manufactured. So you can, you know, stiffen up that arrow a little bit, get it a little bit heavier. Um, but you also, you also, you're also given that opportunity to actually bend a shaft. So, you know, it doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen. And I, uh, the only thing I'll say with that type of arrow is definitely have an arrow spinner and, and test your arrows before you go into a hunting situation. If you practiced, you know, practiced in your backyard and you shot, shot those things a hundred times each or whatever, make sure and spin them before you take them out and go hunt and make sure they're straight. Perfect. So talking about do's and don'ts, do you have common mistakes that people are making when they're starting to build their own arrows or any guidance in that area? Yeah, I think that there's, there's one that I'd like to, you know, really talk about and it's super simple. Um, and it's squaring your arrows. So, um, it's, you know, it's just one thing that a lot of people leave out for whatever reason. I have a, I, I kind of put it out there occasionally to try to get it in front of more people, but it's, you know, if you, if I cut arrows for you, if you order arrow shafts and you're going to build your own arrows, when I cut the arrows, I'm going to square both ends of that arrow. And basically what that means is when you're using when, any saw, it doesn't matter if the saw is set up right. If there's any tweak, when you're cutting that arrow, you can cut that at a tiny, tiny degree of an angle and not realize it and glue your insert in and go shoot it and it's going to have a little bit of a wobble to it and it's mm. going to it's going to throw off it's going to throw it off it's not going to shoot straight um and it's minute like it can be super super small uh degree of angle that you cut that on and it just creates that wobble so that that is that's like key for me right now trying to you know, educate people to make sure you square your arrows. So when I cut, when I cut them, I automatically square both ends before I send them. I would still say check them, even if they're coming from me. Um, and I'll I'll tell everybody the way to do that. But even you know, if when you're when you're building your own, if you've got your own saw, when you cut them, there are squaring devices. Uh, and basically, it's just you know, kind of like a little bracket that sits on a table, um, and it has an emery board on the end of it, a piece of sandpaper. Um, something to where you can spin your arrow on it and the end of that shaft gets sanded down. Um, so that'll square it off, but the way to, the way to make sure it's square. So after you've cut your arrows or even after you've ordered bare shafts from somebody or arrows that are already cut, even if they come from me, I would still suggest doing this. Make sure you have an arrow squaring device. They're they're cheap. I think they range on my site anywhere from $14 to Forty-five dollars, okay. I think, something like that. It's well worth it. It's like a key piece of equipment you need. Um, but take the end, just both ends of the arrow, and use a silver sharpie, and just use that silver sharpie to color in, color in the end of the arrow. So if you're looking down at that arrow shaft, you want that whole end of the arrow colored in with a sharpie, and then just put it on that arrow scoring device, spin it a couple of times up against that emery board, that sandpaper. Take a look at it. 
if all of your silver sharpie is off, then you've got a square arrow. If there's still one one little dot or you know half of that arrow shaft still has silver sharpie on it, then obviously it was out of square. Hit it again a couple of times until all that sharpies, all that silver's gone, and then then it's square. And do both ends. Uh, I love all the arrow manufacturers. Never trust them all. Even both, you know, <laughs> square both ends. Yeah. Awesome. Good advice. What about um, any other common mistakes people might be making? Um, you know, going back to knock tuning, uh, not a lot of people knock tune because it is, well, it's, a, it's something that a lot of people don't really know about. And it's part of the education process um, and it takes time. Um, you know, if you're not going to buy an arrow that's already spine aligned for you, um, you know, that shows you your spine alignment, definitely not tune um when you're building your own arrows that's the you know once once you've got them cut and got your inserts you know got them squared got your inserts glued on put the knocks on and and shoot paper and tune them you know not tune them before you start fletching that's that is that's probably the most common and i wouldn't even i don't necessarily think it's a mistake it's sure. just lack of education mm-hmm. sure um you know it all goes back to just like you said Everybody always has that flyer or a couple of flyers in the backyard and you can't figure out what it is. That's why if everybody not tuned, that would go away. So lots more things that we could talk about specific to arrows. But last question I have for you about veins. It seems like there are just continuing to be lots more uh, variation of veins that you can put on from low profile or standard. What would be your recommendation for somebody? Um, is one better than the other in a hunting situation? Or what is your advice there? Sure. Um, I think that... You know, again, it's one of those personal preference things. It's, it depends on how your arrows set up and how you want it to shoot. Um, you know, there's, like you said, there's low profile. There's, you know, the everybody knows what the blazer the blazer vein is. There's there's higher profile, shorter veins. There's lower profile, longer veins. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, how much weight you have in front of your arrow, uh, how much steering you need, uh, more FOC. You know, more front of center weight requires a little bit less steering, so you can get away with smaller, um, you know, smaller veins, not, you know, a little bit lower profile. Uh, but, you know, I think recommending something right out of the, the, you know, right out of the gate, if somebody's building their own arrows for a hunting setup and um, they've never done it before, you know, the blazer vein is a great, it's a great vein. The boning blazer vein is fantastic. Um, AAE makes, um, a vein that's similar that I like a lot. That's the the Max Hunter. Um, it's kind of a higher, little higher profile, shorter vein. Um, just all around good size veins for for a lot of different things. So I would I would definitely think about those. But you know you can get down that rabbit hole and there's a million different vein styles and configurations out there now, like you said. And it just depends on it's tinkering. See what flies best with your arrows. Well, I mean, and sometimes that's, that's the fun part of building arrows is you get to tinker like that. Yeah. And sometimes, too, I think that just the abundance of choices and options for people can overwhelming. It can be a barrier for entry. You know, you're looking at yeah. it going, gosh, like there's so many different things I could choose. I don't know what to do. So they kind of lock up. And that's when people come to you and let them do it, you know, let them 
uh, have you build their arrows, you know, but I really enjoy that you're trying to educate and create this passion for people so that they can be empowered enough to have the right um, education and build their own. So we'll definitely send people over to you um, to uh, pick your brain, to order uh, components, or to be able to uh, get arrows from you directly. But before we jump yeah. off of here, Dan, talk to me a little bit more about what else you got going on in your life. Let's talk about Mountain Archery Fest and what that looks like for 2022. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I am a Sparrow Junkie is a sponsor uh, for Mountain Archery Fest. And for you, those of you that don't know what Mountain Archery Fest is, uh, most people have heard of Total Archery Challenge, TAC. Um, basically, it's we're a traveling 3D um, target course for the most part. We have, um, there's five locations this year, and we have um, five courses uh, and it's all it's all mountain hunting experience uh, type shooting. So if you've never shot one of these uh, like mountain 3D courses, they're a lot of fun. It kind of gives you the, you know, the experience of hunting. So you can most people wear their packs, um, you know, and they put themselves in the same situation that they would be in if they were out, you know, elk hunting, mule deer hunting uh, or whatever. It's just kind of a great way to test your gear um test your abilities because there are some extremes we're we're on mountains typically we're at um ski resorts you know so uh it's a lot of fun i mean the 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 targets range from anywhere from gosh three yards to 110 yards depending on on the course uh some of the some of the shooting extremes are a little higher than than others some of them may be you know um, slight downhills, some of them may be extreme downhills, some of them may be extreme uphill shots, um, just kind of tests your skills. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. You can, and you can check out mountain archery fest uh, at mountain archery fest.com mountain archery festival.com. Um, I, I have gotten more involved with them this year, um, after being a sponsor last year and seeing how helpful it was for me and my business, um, kind of goes back to my large scale event planning, um, that's what I really do for a living. And so I kind of reached out to Brandon and asked if I could kind of volunteer and help in any way, um, you know, with getting sponsors, marketing, uh, course management set up, anything I could help with. So I've kind of, we've kind of developed a really good friendship and I'm just helping in any way I can to, you know, grow Mountain Archery Fest. It, we have a little bit different dynamic than, than TAC or Total Archery challenge um they're the machine they're a big machine and they're awesome at what they do if you've never shot one of theirs i'm not you definitely go do that um they put about three thousand people on the mountain in a weekend so it's there's a really big atmosphere you know there's a lot of energy mm-hmm. um and it's a lot of fun we on the other hand won't we won't we don't want to get that big with mountain archery fest probably 12 to 1500 people on the mountain in a weekend um shorter wait times at the targets and more of a family friendly atmosphere we love having the women and children out there we encourage them we have a kids course kids can come out and shoot um you know we have fun more laid back environment in the evenings we do cornhole tournaments we have movie night where we show we show full, uh, full draw film festival uh, movies we have uh wild game dinner we have pint night with pope and young you know just it's kind of a different atmosphere mm-hmm. a little more laid back um a lot of fun and then one more thing i want to throw out there because i'm super excited about that <laughs> this Perfect. um we have an adaptive mobility 
course this year. So it's a track action uh, mobility adaptive course. So basically what that means is um, you can come out and shoot with us if you're if you're in a wheelchair we, we're going to have the track action chairs we're going to have several track action chairs for people to come out and actually get in and if you haven't seen a track action chair it's the most amazing thing um for our wheelchair bound you know friends they can actually get in this thing it's electric and it has tracks on it so it can pretty much go anywhere uh and so we've got we've got a course set up for them to be able to come out uh, and and actually shoot a whole course uh, on the you know track action mobility chair, and we are also um, going to be announcing pretty soon how to do this. But we're going to be giving away a track action mobility chair to um, a well deserving uh, person. So we're we're excited about all that. It's it's something that hasn't been done yet, and we're just excited to be able to get those folks out on the mountain because yes. they deserve to be able to go out and shoot as well. Yes, absolutely. I love everything that you just said. I love that uh, Mountain Archery Fest is truly a family event. You know, you can show up for the weekend, you can camp out, you can get your kids on the course. Um, I just think that there's so much fun. I absolutely love Brandon. Um, so I think good things are happening there. And then too, that you're just creating that space for people, like you said, who are wheelchair bound to, to still have ample opportunity to get out there and shoot the courses for me. I I just feel like it's such a blessing to have people like you guys that are facilitating, excuse me, um, those kind of events for people to get out there and do that. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Um, Dan, I appreciate you and your passion for helping people, you know, explore more outdoors. Where can people find you online and get in touch? Sure. So um, it's everything's Arrow Junkie. So um, arrowjunkie.com is um, is the site and you can contact me via the site or you can contact me via Dan at arrowjunkie.com. Super easy. Um, and then Instagram is under, uh, I'm sorry, arrow underscore junkie. Uh, Facebook's just arrow junkie. Um, I typically use mostly just Instagram for all my stuff, a little bit of Facebook. Um, and you can get in touch with me, um, via that email address or the website or anything about, you know, anything you want to talk about as far as art, you know, archery is concerned. Um, I'm an open book and also that includes mountain archery fest too. Um, you know, if, if by chance there's anybody out there that has questions about it, you know, mountainarcherifestival.com is where you can go. But if you're thinking, man, that sounds like a great opportunity, you know, for me as a small business or something to get and be, you know, have a vendor booth or are interested in any type of sponsorship or whatever, you can reach out to me for that as well. Cause we're still, still out there looking, we're growing this thing and it's, it's growing every year. Um, and I, we think it's, you know, we're hitting a great spot in the next couple of years. It's going to be going to be really fantastic. I love it. That's awesome. Well, hopefully I'll get to make an event here soon. I've done some of the total archery challenges and Northwest Mountain Challenge, but they're just, they're so much fun. It's a great opportunity to shoot in situations and scenarios that you don't get to practice in your backyard or on the range. Um, And those things can translate to a lot, you know, connecting and having opportunities in the field. So definitely appreciate what you're doing. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, and we finally got it done. I'm so happy. We got it done. (laughs) Thanks again. Once again, thank you for tuning into the show. We hope that your cup is full and you're ready to embrace your untamable vibe. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a favor? 
Help us grow our audience by sharing your favorite episode on social media, sending the episode to a friend and leaving us a review online. We love to hear from you. One more thing, be sure to press that subscribe button and never miss a weekly episode. See you next week.